Before we start the show, I wanted to say thanks for listening. We want to bring you the best show we can, and sometimes it takes us a week or two to cut, edit, and present you something polished. But if you're the kind of person who wants to hear the long version with no frills and wants it as soon as possible, we're now putting our Ready Player 2 episode reviews on Patreon. Pay as much as you think is fair and get access to uncut episodes just hours after we record it. Join our community of gunters at patreon.com forward slash get to the good part, no spaces. Now, on to the show. This is Aaron from the show. First of all, thank you for listening. Once you finish listening to this episode, do us a solid. Go ahead and give us a rating and write a review of the show. This lets us know that we're doing a good job and helps other people find us. And speaking of other people, if you know someone who might enjoy the show, we would love it if you told them about it. We can be found at gttgp.com. There's tons of stuff on there. You can learn more about us. There's an episode guide. And of course, you can find our social media pages, where we love geeking out with our listeners. Now, let's get to the good part. Welcome back to Get to the Good Part. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. And we are breaking into chapter, geez, what is this, chapter 26? Yeah, this we're getting f- close. Very short chapter, but it was just kind of a like an odd leftover, like that in between before we move on to, what is it? The final level? Level six. So to recap what's happened in this chapter, we'll kind of, we'll go through, move it through it like we normally do. Z's avatar rematerializes on top of the highest peak in Zazarian, the highest peak in the Zazarian Mountains on Chthonia. Chthonia. Did I? What? There's a ch. Don't tell me the c and the h are silent. Uh, It's it's just Thonia. Thonia. That's how they pronounce it in the audiobook. I get that that we've got to create new words here, but if we could make them pronounceable, that'd be awesome. Well, how would we just say Chithonia? Chithonia. Chithonia. And this is something new that's popped up. A ring of stones. No a one hinge. has seen this before. Obviously, a hinge of some sort. And this is where they, they rematerialize is at this hinge in the mountains that no one's ever seen before. And it's it's painfully obvious that they've got to pop their crystals into this table. It's kind of like a table. A slab, an altar. Altar. We're going to say altar. Why not? And he he puts all of those in, and he immediately gets a flashback to the last seven seconds in Kira's head, where Halliday puts the prototype onto her head, and then boop, that's it. Which is kind of interesting. What? Man, it's just rough. Like, to see him actually do that. Well, it, it is kind of goofy. Like, as I'm thinking through... Like, what kind of experience would that be where you're just experiencing, like, these moments in time? I get that these are kind of, like, maybe pivotal, important moments, I suppose. Maybe those are some of her favorite chosen moments, but also potentially moments to kind of solidify what's going on. I kind of wish the book had made this just a little bit more obvious, I guess, that that this seems to be a setup, right? That if we're not able to communicate directly in words, we're able to say, here are all the pivotal points that have happened in my life in, in seven. And that that last moment that's super important, that really solidifies what the hell's going on is the last seven seconds of my memory in the system. 
right? And one of the reflection points here was this idea that 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 he was Z's kind of wondering like what it's like to see Og and Kira's love blossom. You know, that the this this is a sort of a perverted, obsessed outsider kind of situation. But very weird, right? And could could yeah. you imagine could you imagine if if you could see yourself through the eyes of somebody else on the outside and get a feel for what they really thought of you. Like I, I have a perspective of who I am, but I think it would just be nightmarish to, to get a feel for who I am on the outside through somebody else's perspective. And there might be good sides, but I feel like that would just be a world of cringe. Probably like it would be torturous to drag myself through you know, viewing somebody else's timeline, especially if it was somebody that I desired, that they knew I desired, that they didn't share in that mutual sort of desire. You, you see what I'm getting at? Like you'd get a feel for how somebody who didn't love you didn't love you and how torturous. I was thinking about this while doing my prep. Imagine Halliday kind of scrubbing through the memories, right? experiences a memory of him with the two of them and then he goes away and then he has to relive the the memory of the part that he didn't experience directly but them saying oh man oh thank god he's gone dick he's a he's a dick (laughs) yeah exactly can you imagine getting the man that's just a kick oh it's You know, or the, like, you know, I would leave the room and they'd be like, oh, God, Chris, what a jackass. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Oh, just how torturous would it be to try to run through and pluck out the memories of what you're missing? Imagine that one love that got away and then viewing all of the memories of them happy without you and with someone else. And shitting and on you. And to put yourself through that or not. Or, you know what? I don't know what's worse, shitting on you. Or just being happy in your absence, you know, it just, that would just be, that would make someone crazy. But we talk about this level of obsession here, but, you know, to to go through that and basically say, I want the love that this other person had, and I'm going to get that love, and I'm going to live the experiences they had together, and I'm going to be that person for her. I mean, that's that's all kinds of screwed up like there's they really don't dive into it real well. But there's a there's that would drive. I could see that driving a person crazy. Yeah. I mean, it definitely has to mess with your head a little bit. Like you can't just let that shit bounce off you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not how strong you are. Uh, you know, and that kind of reaches out to like social media. I was watching a TikTok of some guy who said that he was just devastated, you know, looking for love he's putting a tiktok out there thousands of women saying that he's ugly that he's a loser that he's horrible that no one would want him and you know his his then response there was you know i have to delete everything this is too much this is how other people view me this is how i'll always be valued that there was some girl he you know wanted to have the guts and the bravery to go up to to interact with to you know start that path of a potential relationship and that he just had to, he couldn't even imagine reaching out and talking to her or send that conversation knowing that thousands of people said these things about him that this is what they would think and and this the horror of thinking that she might think that about him 
to the point where he just, you know, said, I, I can't even imagine mustering the gumption because if thousands of people have this to say about me, I could imagine it would just shatter him to even imagine her thinking the same thing and the likeliness, right? Horrible. So it, it, again, it, it can just, I imagine it would fuck with the person. It's that, it's that almost like a, an echo chamber of feedback through someone else's eyes. An echo chamber of one. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Right. Which kind of makes me wonder why he would think that she would want anything to do with him, even if she came back. Like, you know, what are you doing there? You're just waiting out a person's love. Kind of like, well, no one else is here for you, babies. Just you and I. I mean, it's not a very well thought out end game, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Well, I mean, this whole book has been showing how to not really think things out a few extra steps. And and a lot of things have to do with like interacting with human people mm-hmm. as opposed to virtual ones. It's not been a book that's been portraying him super positively. Oh, no. And like in this chapter, it just solidifies it. And and he, you know, Z recognizes it at, at that moment that the brilliant people that we might consider to be heroes may have a fucked up side to them. So in that note, what are some brilliant people that you think are probably fucked up? Brilliant people that are probably fucked up. Brilliant people that I think that that people idolize or hold on a pedestal that are probably kind of fucked up. Uh, I mean, the first thing that came to mind was Elon Musk. <laughs> That's the first one that came to mind for me, too. When you think about how much has been done under his, let's say, supervision, like he's got some real excellent methods for getting wrapped into a technology. He has the funding to start whatever he wants for fun or otherwise. He's brought electric cars to the mainstream market, automated electric cars to the mainstream market. Well, maybe not mainstream yet. Well, it's getting there, right? Like you could get your car, it could drive for you. He's reinvented rocketry. Just re like he's revolutionized, truly revolutionized. When we talk about like a revolutionary, that's usually just thrown around. Quite literally, he started from the ground and said, forget what you know about rocketry. Let's just take all the intelligence of the world and tackle all the problems we have today, not problems we had in the 60s or in the 50s. Like all the rocketry and a lot of the shit that we deal with that comes out of NASA is, is 20, 30 years old, out of the gate today new. Because it's already been vetted. It's already been tested. They already have confidence in it, right? He was just like, fuck it. We're going to start from the, the ground up and here are the goals. We have to be able to go every week with the same rocket. We have to be able to refuel and go. We have to be able to land the thing on end, not dump it in the sea and let it crash into the sea. Like it's not disposable. We have to save money on this. It has to be reliable. Love that. I think that's brilliant. Using that to start his own internet service. I mean, shit, he can put satellites in space now. He's got rockets to do it. He's literally his own customer now, putting satellites into space to create his own ISP. And a lot of behind of that is an enormous amount of AI model training in order to get all of these things right. I mean, freaking brilliant. But at the same time, you know... He's a little kooky. Uh, what the he, you know, he's, he's a... The baby daddy of the 10th baby coming soon spanned out across four women. I mean, uh, a little fucked up. I don't get me wrong. Like, it, I get it. You get it. There are circumstances. But when you're asked, hey, you know, what are you doing with all these kids? And the response is, well, we got to populate Mars. <laughs> I, I mean, if that's your response, that's kind of fucked up. 
you know, if if you're arguing against the use of AI or that AI will be the thing that destroys the world and you're front running a company called OpenAI, right? It, it's, yeah, probably a bit fucked up. Okay, so that's an obvious one. Did you have a number two? Well, you didn't give me much time to think about it, but I would basically put, just bundle together pretty much any politician, especially the ones that are in the highest of offices, just because you have to be a little bit crazy to want to do that. Just a little bit crazy. I have to make, I have to imagine that there are a lot of moral sacrifices that you've got to make in order to, to do that, to get to that place, to be good at it, really. Like it's, you know, one of those jobs where you have to kind of be an asshole to be good at it. But to get there, you've got to be an asshole. You've got to want to. Yeah. Or even if you don't want to, you've got to figure out how to. So, you know, moral compromises. Every day. So I could totally see that. So Z comes to this realization about brilliant heroes who've kind of been fucked up people. And and amidst of his realization, his bracelet of detection starts to glow blue. And that's when that that's the bracelet that's supposed to tell him when Anorak is around the corner. And then bong, Anorak comes through the gateway, magical gateway. And, you know, it. It's a conversation aside, he says, you know, you've, hey, congratulations, you've got 10 minutes to spare. Of course. At least it wasn't 10 seconds. The, the first thing I'm thinking is, it takes me five minutes to cook breakfast. I consider that to be fast. The rest of the top part of this book, like the, the main active stuff, like the next however many chapters, has to happen in 10 minutes. Has to happen in 10, like it sounds good, like you've got 10 minutes to spare. What? Yeah. You know, and he's just kind of like, yeah, it's, it, I, like I said, I could barely make breakfast in 10 minutes. It seems like, I mean, because we made the, the, a lot of comments over the course of the last few chapters where they're just fucking dilly dallying. Or they're going these great expansive distances that would otherwise yeah. require a gargantuous amount of time. Like, they the time completed. scale on this whole storytelling has just been a little bit fantasy <laughs> you know yeah a smidge it kind of feels that way but granted i mean you can always sit back and go yeah but it's it's an internet thing right going 120 miles on the back of a horse in a matter of i guess would have to be 10 or 15 minutes which we're talking about i think 300 400 miles an hour something like that it's it's online it's in a game it's yeah. possible, right? But thank uh, God we had those uh, horses. Oh, yeah. Just whip that shit right out. It's, it's kind of like we get to this, like, take yeah, 10 minutes to spare. I'm like, no, there's no way we can, we can get this book done in 10 minutes with all the shit that has to happen. 10 minutes, 10 minutes. So, I, I mean, did that strike you as odd? You know, whipping all you got 10 minutes to spare before everyone freaking dies. And the thing is, is yeah. Uh, it's a lot of things about the 10 minutes that, that bothered me is that the, the 10 minutes thing is when everybody's going to start, ha you know, succumbing to whatever that thing was where the synaptic overload or whatever, mm -hmm. that's not a finite n time frame. For some people, it's going to be a little bit before some is going to be a little bit longer. It's not exactly whatever the number of hours was, right? Mm -hmm. 12 hours. I mean, 
it's going to be close, but some people have to already be experiencing that. Gosh, I wish I could remember what the name of that thing was. Yeah, yeah, that's close enough. I mean, yeah, I mean, there have to have been scores, like tens of thousands of people have already died. Yeah. Because they were had already been on for like eight hours when this shit started, and then they can't get out. They'd already been on. And other people that were just logging in when this shit happened. So they'd only yeah. been on a couple of minutes. You get the gist here. We're, we're, we're glossing over that people should be dead by now. <laughs> and not a small number. Or catatonic, right? Yeah, so this 10 minutes to spare is kind of like a... I, I don't know if it's a deadline for him changing his mind or some shit. Yeah. Well, so, anyhow, so anyway, moving beyond. Magic not to, happens. Not to get caught too much on 10 minutes, I just look at the, how many chapters we have left and go. There's no way that all that shit's going to happen in a 10-minute time scale. But, but that said... Zians are referring to him as a master control program, which is uh, the income mainframe from Tron. So that's a cool reference. I'm basically saying he's, you know, a godlike computer asshole. And mm. he is basically told to hand over the shards, which he does. But Anorak puts those shards together and the shit glows blue. And in that moment and handing over, well, actually, I take that back. Z puts together the shards and hands it to Anorak. And in the moment of handing it over, he gets access to all of Anorak's inventory because lo and behold, he created an artifact called the Jewel of Acquisition. How convenient. When putting that shit together, it all vibrates and smells and looks like, you know, the, the crystals that he had already received. It has the same sort of magical energy, basically saying it's an exact duplicate without being the actual thing. But whoever the taker is allows Z to have a piece of inventory, which Z runs into his inventory, scrolls through a bazillion and one things, grabs his robe, and transports himself to the room with the big red button. So before we go too much further here... We can't go any further. That's the end of the chapter! Fine. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, did, what did anything in particular bother you about that? Um, I, I have something in mind. He just got a shard. How could they have gotten the stats for the shard and the information about the shard from him while he was in transit and they created a duplicate of it to then put into his inventory so that it could then pull out that fake shard and put together the one crystal then to then hand. I feel like let's assume he had, a, he had enough of them that they could have figured it all out. Okay. Here's my problem with this drool of acquisition. Why stop at just taking one thing from the inventory? Why not take them down something? Yeah. It feels like if you've got access to his inventory, you could just delete it all. Yeah, you could say return all inventory items to the original owners, and or give them all to me, and that way he like he's st he's still got all these artifacts. Yes, right. Why not let's say make his hit counter go to zero 
why not turn his mouth into a zipper? Well, like I think a problem you'd have with that is he still had, I'll play devil's advocate here. He still has anorak's robes on. Until the robes come off, he's unlimited. Godlike. Unlimited hit points, unlimited firepower, skill level 99 or beyond. Until the robes come off, you know, he has admin capabilities. But I get what you're saying, though. Like, if you're able to tap into the inventory, take what you want, delete what you want, you know? It, it goes down to, like, the, they're basically performing magic, right? So why cut your magic off at the knees? Why not just let it do all the things you want to do? Why hold back? Why? Uh, yeah. I don't know, dude. That's a good question. You're right. I mean, wouldn't this be so much easier if, if like, uh, you took his robes and you cut off his arms? Like, no more arms. Now stand aside, worthy adversary. Tis but a scratch. A scratch? Your arm's off. No, it isn't. Well, what's that, then? I've heard worse. You liar! Come on, you pansy! You cut off his arms, or you initiated a worm or something that you know, released all the holds that he has on people and, you know, something. Something. Well, the, you'd think the robes would do that, right? Because, you know, it's it, the robes have a lot of that administrative overridey capabilities. Um, and in fact, he didn't, he couldn't really do the shit that he needed to do without the robes. That's why he had a trick Z to begin with to give him the robes. But still, it's kind of like, like... I've gone to the point where it's we've been... It's been so long since I first read the book that I don't remember exactly all the details but what happens in the next few chapters. So Yeah, same here. Just you know I, I, I don't know. I, I do wish I could remember a little bit because maybe that would be part of the answer as to why he didn't completely disarm, dismember, destroy, nope. interact. But there was nothing in the following chapters that detailed that. We're, we're glossing over it. We're we're using we're using technology mag, magic spackle. It would make sense to create something like this if you were going to put it into the game because you need balance, right? Somebody takes something of yours, you get something of theirs, right? There's a balance. If you could take everything, that would be a game imbalance, like bad gameplay, too overpowered of an item. I would get that if that was an item that you wanted to just stick into the game, right? But we're talking about an item that you're going to use in the game to act as a weapon against the specific person. Like we're not worried about game balance. Yeah. So so why would you put those rules on you? Yeah, it just feels like they did it to be polite or something. <laughs> it's just weird. You know, it, it it is a little. I don't know. It it just felt like you were watching him not go to the full potential. And yeah, it, it's like somebody was like, "Ha ha! I tricked you." And I took your robes. <laughs> I forget all the stuff that was in your inventory. I took your robes. Like, that's that's it? That's all you did to me? Like, you could have done a bazillion other things. Or it's like, okay, here here's the crystal. And it's like, by the way, I just took all the change from your couch. Like, so what? He's well, probably I got mean, a savings account with the real money in it. What's 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 the lawyer dude, the, the, his office assistant name? Uh, Faisal? Faisal. It could have been Faisal be like, okay, we just got it put together, but we only had enough time to, to do this one little function, which lets you take something if he takes your crystal. 
you know, if we had had more time, we could do something more dangerous. No problem, Faisal. This will do just fine. I have an idea in mind. See what I mean? Conversation could have limited the situation that Faisal did the best they could, that anything more complicated might have been seen, that they didn't have time to code it to be any more complicated or dangerous. Or if it was more complicated, he would have noticed. He would have seen it from a mile away. Something. Yeah. Otherwise, we're left here going, he could have ended it right now. Right now. I feel like there's a dead horse that we've beaten to death over and over again on this one. It's it's one of those things. It's kind of like you get to that place where you're like, okay, 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 what? And and I don't mean to be that way, but you know, to pull back, I do like the fact that you know, kind of unveiled his grand scheme here, right? That that sort of master plan, you know, where they were going to get him the crystals and stick it as an in his inventory. It would have been cool if there had been like kind of like more background build up to that. But without per- without giving it away, but this idea of you know we had this planned all along, Ooh. you know, haha! I got your robes. Yeah. So, what are the takeaways from this chapter? The takeaway here is that we're in a strange place, and we're in a we're we're not in a strange place. We're in a strange place as far as the story is concerned. He's back in the room with the red button. Ooh, right. What's he gonna and do with that red button? That shiny red button, the glossy candy-like red button. What is he? Uh, Random Stippy throwback. Ren so, Stippy. yeah. So, what is he going to do with it? Right. And initially, when I got to this place, my first thought was, oh, snap. Because it would just be easy for him to just hit the button and end it. Period. Everything over. And in, the, in my mind, when I got to this place, I was like, that would at least be interesting if that was the case. Now, I know that there were other circumstances. The fact that he had like a copy of the Oasis on his little spaceship, right? And that. As as is already led up, like that's kind of the plan is like, you know, you know, scorched earth as far as the oasis on earth is concerned. And then just, you know, grab the gal and hop to the spaceship and then boof, take off and be there forever. That is a weird, weird plan. Yeah. But, you know, to hit the button and say, you know, we're just going to cut this short, I believe. Yes. You know, that kind of thing. And And you know what? If that had happened, I don't know that I would have had a problem with that necessarily. Like, that would have been interesting. Like, imagine, you know, he hits the button and then everything shuts down and then everybody wakes up. Everybody comes out. Everybody starts focusing on the world that's trashed without something to distract them from 24-7, you know? And there's nothing anymore. Like, the economy might be trashed, but that just forces everybody to make the world better, you know, kick them back a generation or two kind of a digital stone age approach where it's kind of like, let's just do a reset on humanity by taking this thing away, this giant distraction. I could have dealt with that. Right. And that, you know, if, if they wanted to go and colonize other planets, you know, they got that spaceship, you know, they could put people into a, a hibernation and they could be in the Oasis when they get to that next planet to populate that next planet They're there. They can wake up and do their thing. There are a couple you know, at this point when I'm thinking big red button, I'm thinking that's it. He's going to hit it. End of story or roughly end of story, you know. But then you realize that we still have like five, six, chapters five or six chapters. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, there's, there's a lot of shit that's going to happen between now and then, evidently. So um, I, I knew that what I was thinking wasn't what was going to happen. So it was a short chapter. Do you have any other things that you wanted to bring up or that you noticed or little? Nuggets, man, no, it's super short, nothing particularly inspirational except for that that idea of 
of Halliday wanting to hook. Again, you know, if you're seeing yourself through the eyes of somebody who did not choose you, who did not want to love you, why, oh, why would you want to trap yourself into a digital realm with, you know, their memories? Is it, you know, with the idea of maybe you picking apart and pulling out the bad ones so that you seem better? It just, you know what I mean? Well, that's kind of how we got the evil Halliday is that he started picking stuff out of the fake consciousness and he turned into this crazy guy. Super crazy, ultra crazy, digital so, crazy, 4.0. I do want to point out that early in this chapter that Z mentions that he takes out Kira's Trapper Keeper. And maybe you know where I'm going with this, but the inventor of the Trapper Keeper just died. Oh, shit. Yeah, like a few days ago, or not even a day, not even a day ago. I had Trapper Keepers. Like, that was the big thing for school shopping back in oh, the yeah. 80s. Like, you weren't just going for your book bag. You're going for your Trapper Keeper. And there were like all kinds of different designs of Trapper Keepers, right? You weren't going to the store and have four or five. No, no, no. You'd have dozens of different, you know, radical 80s, 90s designs. Like that was a that was a core thing in the 80s. And you'd open it up and, you know, it was all functional and you'd have the different folder areas and the places. Yeah, it just, it, that was one of those points. It was kind of like where school had an edge of style that kind of helped to outline your personality. A little bit unless, of course, your parents went and got you some shit off the counter that you didn't want. So, yeah, that sucks that he died. But, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's like that person made like an imprint on a generation, allowed a generation of people to secure an identity through a, a glossy plastic folder <laughs> with with various designs to put our papers and shit into. Do you remember some of the designs that you had? No, I don't. I'm trying to remember, and I feel like I must have had one for laser tag, but I, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure there were like neon pinks and blues and abstract shapes and shit. It was, yeah. would have been something like that. would have been, you know, hopefully the coolest thing on the shelf at the time. And I'm like looking at some of these designs. Whatever that I thought was cool. Oh, man. These were like screaming 80s, 90s designs. It was kind of like at the time with, uh, um, oh crap, the watch, but I can't remember the watch. It was just a watch. A, thank you. Oh, just put an S in front of it. Remember, <laughs> shut up. Do you remember Swatch had like hundreds, maybe thousands of designs for watches? Vaguely. Trapper Keeper was kind of like the Swatch of note storage. So, anyways. I definitely remember having a few of those. That's a cool throwback. Well, did you get anything out of this chapter? Anything positive when you hit this chapter? So the positive was, I think, and some of my notes, I can't, I don't remember if it was some of my original notes or my more recent notes. This felt much more like the first book than probably any other chapter in the whole book. Um, okay. Why? I think it started to, kind of move into that Z solving problems or problem solving mm -hmm. and which felt a lot like the first book where he was finally there's some clever shit that he's come up with. Yes, exactly. And like he's being clever and he's trying to fix shit. And that's what kind of made me feel like, okay, this is starting to feel a little bit more like the first book. And, and he gets his robes back. He gets his robes back. He, he basically fine. neuters. 
demasculates Halliday. Yeah. Or or so Anorak. He's starting to defeat the big the big boss, the yeah, big he's bad. Rearing up. So that that just made me feel like, okay, we're getting back to the good stuff. The part is about that I think that a lot of us were longing for. The playing more, field um, has become level, or maybe more level. Yeah. To me, it was a little bit of like, oh, good, we're, we're twenty six chapters in, and we're finally gonna, we're finally getting somewhere here. We're getting to the, we're getting to the good part. The action's starting to kick, kick up. Yeah, like, I, I mean, uh, I mean, let's be honest. Like up until now, like it has been mostly a drag. Yeah, it has been. It's been a bit of a grind. So I will agree. Like I got to this part, and and I thought, you know, he, he basically got a sucker punch in on Anorak. He's got his robes back, right? He's now whisked away to a castle where Anorak can't touch him. Give him a moment to take a breath and get his shit together. Granted, he's only got 10 minutes left. And, and of course, the option of the red button. So my, my head's like, oh, snap. Like, what's the next part to this? Like, he, now, he, now he has options. Before, no options. Now he has some options. A little more leverage. And uh, this was one of those chapters where, where unlike some of the other uh, number of the other chapters in this particular book, I was I could not wait to continue reading. I did exactly. not want to stop. It was a short chapter, and and I just uh, couldn't stop. I wanted to keep going. Yeah, because like we're done with the challenges, like the for the shards, which were what was really kind of grueling. And now it's like, okay, we're pedal to the metal. We're gonna start seeing some shit go down. Yeah, I think the equivalent here was in the first book when the High Five got their robots out and were like, let's head for the planet. Uh, remember back in the day? Do you remember? Does that give you like the warm fuzzies right there? I was just going to say, you know what? Like, like if anybody watching that video will see me smiling right now. Like, I'm just thinking about when we finally finish reading this book for the podcast, the first thing I'm going to do is listen to Ready Player One again. And it's going to give me all the feels and I'm going to get the biggest book boner. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I'm in the same boat, but we'll see where we are in five chapters. But anyways, <laughs> I think we've I, brought I this one home. I have abstained from Ready Player One since we read Ready, since I started reading Ready Player Two. My okay, gosh, well, it's going to be two years ago now. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. All right, are we ready to wrap this one up? I don't think we can I pound. We can. I don't think we can pound five pages more out of this, really. Yeah, no, I think we. I think we're good. All right then. Well, once again, this is Chris, and this is Aaron. We'll catch you on the next episode of Get to the Good Part. Thanks. See ya. Massacre these freaking names. Zizarian? Zizarian? Uh, yeah, I was just listening to it. And okay, how do they pronounce it? Uh, I think Caesarian. Caesarian? As in like the section? <laughs> As in the section. Oh, As in uh, the salad? 
Caesarean salad? <laughs> Gross. Let's get started. Ready? Sure thing. Welcome back to Get to the Good Part. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. 